Marini's Media. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Coming up, feed the Viv and she will score. We knew that, didn't we? Miedemar becomes the WSL's top scorer after a hat-trick in the North London derby. Reading get the result of the weekend holding City to a one-all draw. We speak to Reading manager Kelly Chambers. And the FA launch new strategy inspiring positive change. We'll pick out some of the points that caught our eye. I'm Lindsay Hooper. And I'm Kate Borsay, and this week she's finally started full-time at The Athletic. She's in the fold now. It's women's football reporter Katie Wyatt. How are you, Katie? I'm all right. You two both okay? Yes. How's week one been? Um, Busy, but I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, very different to the Telegraph and they do things a bit differently, but there's a lot of freedom, um, but it's really, really good fun, so I'm really glad that I'm on board. What sort of content have you been working on already? Um, yeah, so people who have been reading the site in the last uh, week will have seen that I did a big piece about the competitive balance or lack of in the WSL and the gap between the top and bottom teams and spoke to Kelly Simmons, who's obviously the FA's director of the professional women's game, about what they're doing to address that. Um, I did a piece where I went to visit the family of Jordan Dawes, who was a young goalkeeper who died of cancer, and they told her story very movingly and very beautifully. Um, mm. I did a piece about pregnancy in light of what Alex Morgan's having to go through at the moment and how mm. football has come back from that speaking to female players that have done the same and are mothers in the sport and then pieces that's gone up today on Tuesday is with Burnley's Chris Wood and his sister who both ended up playing for New Zealand at various levels and uh, what they've done to improve the conditions for female players in New Zealand so it's been quite a diverse um, had a lot I was gonna on. say they got you working straight away didn't they no yeah, bedding I'm in periods. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I read the Alex Morgan piece about pregnancy and, of course, with friend of the show, Helen Ward, as well, and some really valid points, actually. And whilst we joke about where is Alex Morgan and why haven't we seen her yet, you raise some really valid points about how the fact that she's still breastfeeding and you, of course, speak to an expert as well about how women's bodies change after they have a baby. Um, and having had two myself, I learnt a few new things about that. Of course, your centre of gravity changes because you're carrying a bump and it doesn't adjust back immediately. Of course, your body's a bit more sluggish if you're breastfeeding. You've got extra kind of weight and density to your breasts as well. So I learned quite a bit from that. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> no, I really, I learned a lot as well because obviously I don't have children. Um, a bit too young at the moment. But um, yeah, I learned quite a lot from it. And think it just sort of speaking to people really highlights the actual processes that we often don't see. So I really was glad that I got the opportunity to do that piece. Yeah, really, really liked it. Well, we're not giving you any time off now, Katie. We're going to make you go through all the matches from the weekend in the WSL. So uh, sit back, don't relax too much. Okay, I'm ready to go. This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic. 
Good turn there past Philby. Miedemar going forward into Demanderdonk. He flicks it across and back to her. Miedemar running into the box. Crosses it and bottom corner. Vivian Miedemar with her 50th goal in the WSL. 50 goals in 50 games. And it's Arsenal 2, Tottenham 0. Let's look at our first game then. It was an absolutely storming performance from Arsenal and for Vivian Miedemar as they conquered their North London rivals 6-1. Goals coming from Katie McCabe, a brace from Caitlin Ford and a hat-trick from the prolific number 11. There was a penalty save from Manuela Zinsberger too before Lucia Leon added a consolation for Spurs. So Arsenal remain the only 100 percenters in the table, Katie. Let's brush that aside for for one second, Miedemar, absolutely stellar performance from her. She's the first WSL player to reach 50 goals and it took 50 games. Yeah, I think everything about was pretty terrifying, to be honest, as well as impressive. Because if you look at the actual um, stats behind that, Nikita Paris took was the, the person whose record she eclipsed and she managed to do it in 60 games fewer, which is just sort of absolutely insane when you think about it. Uh, goal every 83 minutes it works out at. and her closest competition is Ellen White who is 31 so quite it's a amazing. bit older and is only doing a goal every 164 games which is still that's still pretty much one every two that's a very impressive record but then you're thinking oh it's only a goal every 164 minutes because of how um, the, you know the, the um, awesomeness of Vivian Miedemar's record so it's really difficult at this point to keep thinking of superlatives to describe how good she is but at the same time it's quite scary that she is only 24 and she has only been in this league for a few years and potentially has so much further to go as well. Even reaching that record she she had to do it in complete Viv style didn't she like a first half hat trick not just a hat trick in 90 minutes but a first half one. Um, I did see as well Rich Laverty who we get on the podcast and he also writes a column for us now over at offsiderallpodcast.com and he said since joining since 2017 I know that you mentioned the goal every 83 minutes but if you take out the injury as well because she had that first injury hit season she's actually scoring every 71 minutes that's courtesy of him. She is definitely prolific. That is certainly a word that we can assign to her. And you just wonder how far she can go when she's still so young in this game. There could be many a record set by by Vivian Miedemar, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, first half hat trick is almost very typical for her, that she does these moments that are very extraordinary and very unprecedented. And we always and we almost kind of look at them as though they're a little bit mundane because of how often she produces them. It's like that the record WSL win with the, with the Bristol City 11-1 and she had two hat-tricks and four assists. It's That's just awesome. things that we've not seen in the men's or the women's game and for her yeah. to be doing it so young and so regularly on this scale and to look so relaxed when she does it. You know, you remember, you have seen some players that have had amazing individual performances and if you think back to some of the all-time great WSL performances or England performances, the players that have busted a gut and really worked hard and strained every sign to kind of get um, that performance out of the way and get that done and make history. But Vivian Miedemar just looks so relaxed and it's kind of lollops about and it just seems so easy. <laughs> I love the word lollop. Her body language is quite gangly, quite rangy, just sort of, you know, gambles about and you sort of wonder if it's how easy it is for her. I mean, I'm sure yeah. she'll deny that it's very easy, but she does look so much better than so many players and so many defences that she comes up against. 
And you wonder whether Arsenal have built that into her training, into into the long-term vision for her as a player and part of the team, whether there's a fact that she might get to the point where she's not scoring um, a goal every less than 90 minutes, if you see what I mean, more than than a goal a game. Um, I I still think, to interject a little bit there, I still think, though, that she doesn't preoccupy herself by with scoring goals I, I know that she obviously is a hungry player but I think first she's all about that team and, and going about winning isn't she I still yeah. think that she loves you, you assisting as play. well actually yeah. more she often says that and actually a typical Viv social media post after the game she just simply said on on to the next 50 goals and PS nice free kick Katie McCabe so she's really praising her teammate and rightly so because it was a very good free kick in this game against Spurs Um, but she's more focusing on yes I've done this but actually shouting out a teammate and she's just started studying too she's uh, studying a course at the Cruyff Institute Um, I think a couple of the players at um, Arsenal are are, um, doing that as well but you know it's almost as if she's just like right okay that's done and I'm moving on to the next thing but I do I don't know what what you think Katie because because she's fairly young can she just keep scoring like this or will they have to build into her game some sort of plan or program for when she doesn't score as much to make that okay to make that okay too i think it's very difficult to say because we've never seen a forward in the women's game as prolific as her in the WSL era so i mean her, her closest runner or the person whose record she eclipsed as we were saying earlier took her 60 more games Nikita Paris to, to get anywhere near those numbers so it's very hard to sort of say when you've got a player this talented and this gifted to you know you're dealing with almost an unknown quantity because it's talent that we've never really seen on the scale um, I think the reassuring thing for this Arsenal team is that as you were saying when you reeled off the list of goal scorers and earlier and if you look at who provides this, the assist it's such a diverse mix of names in a squad where they're very fluid and everyone ends up contributing and everyone has and adds real value. So I think that that is this reassuring thing for the Vivian Miedemar ever were to dip or to, to kind of um, go through a more barren patch. But you were I sort of quite tempted to think that even her barren patch might be a goal every three games. So yes. even a record that a lot mm. of um, WSL strikers are envious of. But it's just, I think it's, it's about maybe what keeps her engaged at this point. And I suppose the question that you might ask for someone who achieves so much when they're so young, you know, she's already got a European champion winner's medal when she was what 20 I think 1920 um so you are thinking what keeps them engaged now and it's like Lucy Bronze and the suggestion that she's such a good player but now she maybe wants to play midfield for England and try something a little bit different because of the success that she has had and so maybe it's about looking at how they can vary her role and maybe change her position slightly to keep her engaged if she gets to the point where she has a bit of it's strange to sort of apply this to a 24 year old but if she ever does get kind of disillusioned or have a bit of one wee because she is achieving everything that she is at the pace she's achieving at. It is interesting that these top goal scorers aren't out and out strikers. You know, Nikita Paris, who she eclipsed, isn't uh, isn't a number nine. Um, you look at Ellen White, you look at Rachel Williams in time gone by. I mean, maybe you point out someone like Jane Ross who plays in those positions. But 
I wonder if the pressure of being a striker sometimes, and this is what we see when we watch Viv play, is that freedom, that guile, the, the, the fact that she, she does play with so much ease, whether that takes that bit away, that pressure of scoring the goals. It'd be interesting to watch, I think, how Chloe Kelly develops. Because if you look at her age, the way that she plays, she is the, someone that could maybe replica um, the sort of style that Viv plays with. But she does need to work on quite a few things. If, if I was Chloe and it, and if I was Gareth Taylor, I would be saying, watch, watch her, watch everything yeah. she does, because you've got everything in your armour to be exactly like her um, and, and all of that potential and you're younger. So if anyone's going to come up on the on the tracks on the outside to try and maybe catch her one day, maybe it could be someone like Chloe Kelly. But the problem with Chloe Kelly is you've got to have game time, haven't you? The thing about Viv is, is that if she's available, she will play. And she's that's not necessarily yeah. the case with Chloe Kelly. And because she's younger, she's she's sort of starting from, from a point where Manchester City and the WSL is more competitive. So there's going to be more depth in positions. Whereas Viv is established, she's been on fire, it feels like, for years. But she's, you know, very much first name on the team sheet as long as she's fit really um so chloe kelly's got that to overcome let's just talk about the game oh and by the way there is um a good amount of vivian Miedemar's best goals floating around um on twitter if you check out the arsenal women's account you'll see some of those Taking away from daniela van der dog but Miedemar quickly gets it back again oh what a goal let's talk about the game then spurs uh gosh it feels like they're going backwards a little bit, doesn't it? What do we reckon? Is this just a really dominant Arsenal performance that you can't put much past? Or are we a little bit worried that perhaps Spurs are not maturing with their new players as they should be? Okay, well... First of all, factually, they're not going backwards because they actually, they did actually score a goal against okay. Arsenal, which they haven't done before. So I suppose that is a step forward. Um, but I, I do understand what you're getting at. I, th- I think, you know, Karen Hills afterwards admitted it was a terrible, terrible first half, which it was. Um, Katie, you know, I, I wondered what your opinion was on this in terms of Spurs and where they are at the moment, um, where they're competing. If you compare them with Manchester United as well, who got promoted at the same time as them, I do feel like they've been treading water for quite a while. Uh, and there was a, a moment as well that the Zinsberger saved from the penalty, but there was a follow up from Ashley, Ashley Neville that was skied really, really high. And I thought that was a chance to to get another goal on the score sheet. I, I just wonder if this is a team that's just lacking a bit of confidence when you look around the edges. They, they're not finishing those chances when they do get them. I think so, definitely. I think that's a big part of the problem. But I do wonder slightly where they are at this point because they were quite favourable against Manchester United last week but in general they just seem so far removed from the team that came up last year and had so much momentum behind them and so much confidence and I think a real clear identity and style and really really impressed in their first few weeks in the WSL and I think they finished sixth overall which just seems so far removed from where they're going to finish this season and yes I think the league in general is far more competitive with Everton and Manchester United having invested as they have but I think within some of the results around that have still been really really surprising and I think the gaps between those top um, teams still being as large as they are is going to be concerning for them I think even though Arsenal are clearly a very excellent team. And there could be such thing as second season syndrome that we start to see in WSL just as that league standard gets greater. 
I think so, yeah. I mean, I was reading, there was an interview on The Athletic that Nancy Frostick did with Bristol City, who I'm sure we'll probably end up discussing at some point. And she, um, Tiny Rocks, to be the manager, made the point that they've had this model for years and years and years at Bristol of bringing in very talented young players that then kind of get picked off by the WSL teams. So Caroline Weir, who's now at Manchester City, for example, being one. Um, and how the league has kind of changed, but teams haven't necessarily evolved with the way that the league is changing. And I wonder to what extent that is true of Spurs, not that they are kind of developing and selling on young players, but they were a part-time club that just turned full-time within the last year. And then with this year in the WSL, there was such heavy investment from City, Chelsea, Man United to Arsenal to bring in the players that they were. Um, I think if WSL teams are not competing with that, Everton being another one that made a lot of changes and brought a lot of faces in in the summer. Um, if WSL teams are maybe not keeping up with that or willing to keep up with that, then they might come unstuck and perhaps that's what we're seeing with Spurs. They've also had to contend with, of course, um, an interrupted first season as well. Let's not forget that um, last season. Um, OK, so Spurs just a point on the board this season. When we return to the WSL, it'll be up to United to stop Arsenal and Spurs welcome Reading, which is where we head next. It comes from Chaplin and the flick on is in. Eichelen got the telling touch, I think, was a great ball in from Chaplin. Either way, Reading are ahead. Reading were able to hold FA Cup finalist Man City to a draw after Amelie Eichlin put the Royals in front after three minutes. But they couldn't hold on to claim a famous victory after Georgia Stanway set up Sam Mewis to grab City a point on a day when things just didn't go right for them. So, Katie, I think with City now, you look at the table, they're down in fifth place. Mm. They're seven points off the top in WSL. And it's a fairly short season when you add up all the points gathered. Are we writing them off the title already? And are we even concerned about European chances now? Um, I think we kind of have to be. I would say let, perhaps less so with the European um, chances because I would still... I, th- I think it's going to be a lot closer between them and Everton and them and Manchester United. So I would be worried about that. But with there being three spots up for grabs this season, I think there has a, there's a tiny little bit of perhaps a margin for error. But I think certainly the title race, you have looked in previous seasons. I remember Nick Cushion, the former city manager, saying this, that it's not the games against the top three that decide your title when you have a league that's as small as the WSL is. It's the games around those heads-to-heads. And you've seen that in the past when... City dropped points two years ago against Reading and Bristol City and really came unstuck and their title charge was sort of over by November so it can absolutely happen and I think when you've looked at their results this season they've had draws against Reading, Brighton and they kind of really struggled against Aston Villa as well to put chances away. They're sort of dominating games and really going at teams who are just struggling to finish and I think that that lack of potency in front of goal is really going to bite them and they're kind of running out of time now to get points on the board because we have seen in previous seasons, I mean, we think about Chelsea in 2018-19 and their season was over by about this time just because the number of draws that they'd had, I think they had five at that point. Um, So it can just be over very, very quickly because of how few teams there are in the league. There were a good couple of chances, in fact, for for them to win it here. One fell to Chloe Kelly, just wide. There was a Mewis header as well. But a, a really good point here. You can't take away from Reading, Kate. Yeah, and actually, you know, um, you have to hand some plaudits to Kelly Chambers. Um, and just to that very organised, structured Reading setup, you know, when it plays well... 
it pays off. And I think, you know, City City saw that, especially the fact that they went a goal down as well initially. Reading will be really pleased to have got that early one on the, on the score sheet. Don't worry too much about what I think, though, Linz. Earlier on, you caught up with Reading manager Kelly Chambers. Hi, Kelly. Great to chat to you on the offside rule for this season. Um, I wanted to start by the season so far and how you feel it's gone. Uh, yeah, I think it's gone reasonably well, to be fair. Obviously, the first game of the season wasn't the best. Um, we weren't too happy with that. Um, but post that, I think, yeah, I think our performances have been very good. And um, I think it's just a case of the girls settling in, um, especially the newbies. And there's quite a few players that we've had coming back from either long-term uh, injuries or long-term illnesses over kind of pre-season so it's taken a it's taken a little bit of time to get everybody up to speed but um, with that in mind I think our performances have been excellent and um, we've had a couple of disappointing results but all in all we've been really pleased with how the girls have done. And of course you did bring in Jess Fishlock from the States we've had an influx of, of US players uh, that have come into the league <laughs> um, but I, I think overall with your signings you've maybe gone a little bit under the radar because of the fact that you've had Heath and Press and Morgan is that how it's felt for you a little? Uh, no not at all I, I think it's it's just a case of obviously they're the players that they brought in um they are big name American players that um, obviously World Cup winners. So they're going to get a lot of limelight and especially coming into into the WSL, it makes the league so exciting. But yeah, in terms of in terms of us, obviously bringing in Jess was a, was a huge signing for us. Um, and she's um, she's had a, a really good impact in the group. And obviously just on top of that with people like Emma Mitchell and Dan Carter, it's just... Um, yeah, no, we've made some really, really strong signings and now we're really starting to see the impact of those. Yeah, and I'm wondering if not enough has actually been made of them. I thought against City, you started to see actually the quality within this team. You must have been delighted with the fact that you managed to to keep that at 1-1. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was definitely a game of two halves. <laughs> um, I think the first half, we were there was times where we were really dominant. Um, they, they didn't really... Um, obviously they're, they're a quality side so they're going to they're going to cause us problems they're going to they're going to have shots and um, they're going to attack quite a bit but um, in the first half we we um, we took the game to them a lot more um, but in the second half obviously we, we had to defend uh, we had to defend really hard so um, but the performance from the girls was outstanding from start to finish how they adapted into the game was was the most impressive part for me. One of your players that we seem to be mentioning week in, week out on the offside rule is Grace Maloney. Um, I mean, in terms of goalkeepers in the WSL, where do you think she rates right now? Um, to be fair, I think this is probably the best start she's ever had to a season. Um, she's really she's really focused. She's really... Um, she's on the training pitch in the gym constantly because she's got this she's got this drive and ambition to just want to be better. Um, and obviously we've We've brought in Erin um, Naylor, the, the New Zealand goalkeeper as well. So again, it's that extra competition that she had with Rachel Laws last season. And um, yeah, I think I think it's credit to her, if I'm honest. She's been everything she's doing off the pitch in terms of um, in the gym and on the training pit, pitch. She's taken that out onto the out onto the into the matches in um, in the game. So I think it's it's definitely credit to her. And I think yeah, she's she sometimes 
yeah, I think she'll get lost um, a little bit more because of name. Um, but I think her performances are, are putting her right up there at the minute. I think she's been outstanding so far this season. With her in goal and the new signings now starting to gel, worked well together, you've got the the bounce of confidence as well from the, the result against City, FA Cup finalists, you know. Where do you think this Reading side can go and finish this season? Um, yeah, as, I suppose it's like every season, really. Like, you kind of go, oh, you want to... You want to finish fourth, fifth, and and obviously you want to, we want to be higher than that, especially with ch- more Champions League spots now. And but again, it's like when we even when I had this conversation last year, the league just gets stronger and stronger, and every team has improved. Whether it's Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, they've added to their squads. But then you've got the likes of like Birmingham, Bristol, they've added to their squads. So every year the league gets so much more competitive um but again i think for us we just want to we want to maintain consistency um that's been the big key for us over the last couple of years but um yeah we we have a hunger and desire to 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 play in the champions league and um and play in a cup final so we have that we have them goals we have them ambitions it's just a case of yeah applying that on the pitch and see where where we are by the end of the season Speaking to you in the week that I am, where Viv Miedemar has broken this record for being the all-time WSL goal scorer, 52 goals in 50 games, which is quite an extraordinary feat. Uh, having worked in, in the game and coach for so long, um, Kelly, I've got to get your thoughts on her and that achievement because it is something else, isn't it? Oh, it is, especially for someone her age as well. Um, I think she's an unbelievable player um she's just the the good thing about her as well she's very very humble with it even like just having conversations with her or you see her interviews everything is about the team and 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 it's never about her and as much as people try and make it about her um she just spins it and yeah she's a fantastic talent she is probably she's probably one of the best strikers in the world and for her age right now, you just you you just excited to see what else is to come because, um, like I said, she's she's so young already and and getting those getting those um, things to her name now in terms of goals scored and and you hope she'll do, she does that for the Netherlands as well. So um, yeah, it's 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 for us. It's just great having her in the league and and having that caliber of player. And I think yeah, for me, it's just exciting to see what else is to come from her. Yeah, 24 years old. So yes. if, if we can hang on to her in this league, um, at that forecast, are we projecting for about, I don't know, 200 career goals or something? Yeah. It won't be far off the amount that she scores every every season. But yeah, if she stays in this league, I think it's going to be a very hard record to break by anybody else. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time and we wish you well in your next fixtures. And of course, we hope that the season goes as you want as well. Thank you. Thank you for the chat. Kelly Chambers, Reading manager there. And I love what she had to say about Grace Maloney because we have become slightly obsessed with her over recent <laughs> weeks. I did go back over recent episodes. We, we love we you, put Grace. in quite a few mentions for her, haven't we? <laughs> she was very, very good. And that that's exactly what you want. Um, and she plays into the strength of Kelly Chambers as a manager um, where it is all about structure and it is about organisation. And of course, it goes without saying that that has to start from the back. The other thing we heard there, Katie from Kelly, was about this desire to play in the Champions League, which I think will have a lot of Reading fans sitting up and taking note, thinking, wow, OK. Um, is that the sort of ambition that can be good to, to be heard by fans in this league? Because it's then not all about Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Arsenal. 
Definitely, yeah. I was quite surprised to hear her say that. Um, and I think it's kind of maybe Reading going back to where they were a few years ago. I think before, just before the WSL became professional, they were sort of the best of the rest and fourth place finishes and leading that pack that were just behind the big three. And I think in recent years, with the league getting more competitive and more teams investing more money, they've maybe, I don't want to say fallen away because obviously they reached the FA Cup semi-final, but they've maybe not been league-wise and finishing-wise as high up as perhaps they should have been. I think if you add that into the fact that in the league this season, Reading included, there are now six teams that are aiming for the Champions League and that realistically could do it, is a really, really exciting prospect and one that I think really is a big step forward for a league that has always had very, very good top teams, but maybe not others around them in recent years able to compete. So I think it's a huge step that so many are going for European football this year. Well, before the WSL returns, next on City's Horizon is the FA Cup final against Everton on Sunday 1st of November. And it's the Merseysiders who we visit next. The Totally Football Shows and The Athletic are delighted to be supporting Football Aid for the months of October and November. Bid now at footballaid.com to get your hands on some incredible football memorabilia, including signed shirts from Steven Gerrard, Luca Vialli, Gareth Bale and even Peter Crouch's boots. Find out more... Get bidding and support the cause at footballaid.com. So the points were shared as Everton and Brighton scored two goals apiece with the Seagulls ending the Toffees' 100% start to the season. Willie Kirk was not a happy man after Brighton forward Kayleigh Green appeared to be cautioned twice but not dismissed, calling refereeing standards into question again. Uh, We'll get on to that in just a minute. First of all... Everton losing that 100% start. Uh, Nobody really expected it to come in this game, did they, Katie? Um, I don't think so. I think that when you have looked at how well they have done in kind of the teams around that mid-table to bottom half, you would have predicted beforehand that they would take a win here. But Brian, I think, have been quietly going under the radar this season, but pretty impressive because, I mean, they held City to that 0-0 draw in a very, very, very good defensive performance that they, they rightfully took a lot of credit for. So I think that we are perhaps underestimating them a little bit. Um, but I am completely understanding of why Willie Kirk was so angry about that and I think certainly has every right to expect better. OK, I, I think, seeming as you've brought it up, uh, Kate, I think we'll be all over this. It doesn't do the game any good, does it, when when a red card isn't shown and there's clearly been two yellows? Yeah, let's just talk about what happened. So Kaylee Green, Brighton player, her first yellow was a clumsy tackle on Danielle Turner. There was another, well, pretty clumsy tackle, actually, again on Izzy Christiansen for her second card. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear what people were saying around the ground, but if I was there, I would have been going, it's a red, it's a red. Just really, really puzzling. And it's, of course, it's difficult because because you want someone to be able to say to the ref, don't you? Look, you need to get that player off. Kaylee Green was on the pitch for probably about 10 minutes more than she should have been. So not too long, but that's not the point, is it? The point is she got two yellow cards, Willie Kirk, I mean, he was, of course, he was really angry about this because they've been holding on to this 100% record. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be for him to have potentially lost that 100% record because of a refereeing decision? Now, there's ifs and buts in there. Of course there is. But I would be annoyed if I was Kirk. And he said after the game, for a player to be booked twice and still on the pitch is baffling. I think it's only happened once in my lifetime. And that indicates how... Of course, it's not a common occurrence and it's not acceptable for the top professional league of women's football in this country. 
I hope Powell said it all as well. She tried to do the Wenger of, I didn't see it. <laughs> but she did say if it was her, she wouldn't be happy. Um, of course not. I mean, we, we can't have that creeping into the game. So, uh, you know, hopefully words have been had. Yeah. Um, Can I just give a quick a quick shout out for a couple of good Everton goals just to, just to kind of end this on a plus points from the game. A lovely free kick from Izzy Christiansen for Everton's first goal, deflected off the goalpost. Uh, really, really good. And and uh, a lovely equaliser to make it two all to Brighton. So Brighton player Aileen Whelan, really nicely worked. Nice one-touch football. So uh, a couple of really good goals in there, I would say, would be a good highlight for me if we are trying to move on from the frustration of the refereeing. Please note, another Govan header. She is so dangerous. <laughs> you just do not want to give away any free kicks, any corners at your peril, because if you've got a ball whipped into that box, she is a danger. Mm. Um, I've never known anything like it. We keep talking about that too. And one more observation from me, which was present in this match too, but generally across the board in the WSL this weekend, something that I've noticed is the quality of the crossing is has been another level. Uh, I think we had it with um, Chaplin actually for Reading in that game. There was it was definitely on show in the Arsenal match for some of those goals um, from set pieces for Arsenal in particular. And here Brighton's Kagman for that opening goal deliveries into boxes because one of my pet peeves is when crosses into boxes uh, don't even pass the first player. But I thought. Crossing from wide areas generally has just been top notch. So something for you both to keep an eye on, I think. And you can come back to me on that and correct me if I'm wrong over forthcoming weeks. Uh, next for Brighton is Aston Villa, who won't have played for over a month together. So we'll see how that affects them. And look out on The Athletic for a piece with Hope Powell because that's due out this week. As for Everton, they host current champions Chelsea next. I did have one it back with Russo, the goal scorer. It's got Heath outside. This is Heath. And that is her first goal for Manchester United. Well, it was a six-goal thriller in East London as Man U's Go USA imports. Uh, yes, we are going there. Uh, they scored four past West Ham. A double from Alessia Russo and goals from Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, while Emily Van Egmond and Rachel Daly each scored for the Hammers. So 4-2 to Manchester United playing away from home in this one. And and, and it, start, it, it, it really confuses me when I see West Ham in a brightly coloured shirt for once. I had to adjust my eyes. I've got those wonderful pink breast cancer now awareness shirts on, which I absolutely love. But of course, I had to adjust my eyesight because you're so used to seeing Man U play in a bright colour. Anyway, besides the fact that I'm getting old and my eyesight is failing. Um, Katie, was this any better from West Ham, who've genuinely really concerned me this season? I know Jilly Flaherty... Um, was back for the Matt Beard, seemed a bit more upbeat at the end, but how did you rate the side? Yeah, I do really, really worry for them. I think if you watch this game, the goals were just so self-inflicted. They do give away possession just so cheaply and allow them kind of shots at goal, or their opponents to have shots at goal at will. Um, and I think that as much as the Arsenal result was obviously a far heavier defeat, um, it seemed this one felt maybe a little bit more preventable. The mistakes felt far more self-inflicted and far more of their own making and I think that's the more concerning thing um, so it's four defeats in a row for them now isn't it when they're just sort of offering so little up top and then they're just seeming so calamitous in an accident pro when they are in possession and that's the big big concern I think. 
Matt Beard did say afterwards that he thought there was a better defensive shape. Um, so, so he must have seen something there. Uh, the thing that I observed was a grittier performance. I, I didn't feel like I saw heads drop as much as I did in the previous performances because in, in prior games, they concede a goal and you can just tell they're going to concede another because suddenly, you know, confidence is low and they start blaming each other and the finger pointing that we discussed that's been on show in the documentary that's been on the BBC as well. Um, but I, I felt like there wasn't that, that wasn't on show as much. There was actually a resolve to try and get back in this game. Um, yeah, so that was encouraging. That. Yeah. And they did get one back after going 2-0 down. So that's a good example of what you're saying Linz that all is not over I do think though that they were overrun by the better team and when you've got Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and your locker Kristen Press coming off the bench of course it's really going to be a tough game one of the players that stood out for me Alessia Russo she was very very good not not just in this game we've spoken about her already this season on the podcast but she she looks great. She's only 21 and she's only going to benefit from the tutelage of Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, although she's had that to some extent, of course, um, being over at the Carolina Tar Heels. But, you know, a player for me that's really exciting for Man U as well as all these megastar signings. By the way, is there a pact, do you think, between Heath and Press that whatever they do, they have to do it in sync? Because, you know, Heath gets her first goal for Man United. By the way, wow, what an absolute... Yes storming finish that so much was. power on that one and then press comes on for Manchester United as a sub and then scores her first goal so uh, Katie is there a pact that we don't know about I'd be, I mean it'd be very clever of them if they were able to do that and influence the game in that kind of way and bide their time like that so, I mean firstly I'm quite sceptical but who knows <laughs> Man United ladies third in the league level on points with Everton so again I think they're quietly going about their business in a very good way Last match then, and all eyes for the bottom of the table were on this one. Bristol against Birmingham, and wow, the result in the end said it all. Birmingham claimed back-to-back WSL victories for the first time since 2018. They eased past bottom side Bristol City by four goals to nil. And I think of all the results to take note of, especially if you're Bristol City, this is the one, isn't it? Because this is against a direct rival to try and stay in the league, Katie. Yeah, definitely. I think when I mean, we were saying that we were concerned about West Ham, but you're kind of doubly concerned about Bristol with the start that they've had. And it just feels like a continuation of all of their shortcomings last season. And it's very difficult for them because I remember two years ago, they were taking points off Manchester City. They were really not competing with the um, top four, but they finished six and they were really having an impact on those games and, and really determining the fate of the title really by how well they were playing and how well they were shaped defensively I think you're just seeing the complete opposite of that this season I think that they are clearly a very resilient side to sort of wipe the slate clean and go again every week when they are losing so heavily but the fact that it's such a regular occurrence for them now is going to be real real concern I think yeah they're bottom of the um, table played for lost four they've only scored one goal they've conceded 20 so their stats are not good although in this game they did start the brighter it then just all came crashing down when Birmingham found their groove um, and the goals started going in. There was a great Rachel Causey goal, her first for the club, actually. She got on the end of a corner to flick in a header at the near post. And that win takes Birmingham up to seventh. 
the top five are the usual suspects. Then you've got Reading and then you've got Birmingham. So look, you know, again, we've got to put lots of praise on Carla Ward and her side. And in particular, actually, Rachel Causey and Christy Murray, two long-standing Scotland internationals, whose experience means that that gap can be bridge between the youngsters that Birmingham have had to bring in. So I think Carla Ward's done really, really well. She's got two very experienced, very good players there that will help to gel the team together, as well as all the work that obviously the manager's been doing with them. Just a quick note to add to Bristol's miserable day. Amy Palmer needed oxygen. Um, She suffered uh, a dislocated knee, as we found out later on. She's got more scans due to assess it. We wish her well. Um, It's international break next weekend, so no WSL matches to look ahead to. Instead, the FA are setting up for the future. We've got more on that next. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So the FA launched their new strategy this week to give every girl an equal and fair opportunity to play football as well as big targets for the national team. There are eight key points to this. We won't go through them all, both of you, but if you can listen to Baroness Sue Campbell's speech, listeners, it's worth doing it. Here's a quick clip from her now. We want every girl to have the opportunity to play, to coach, to referee, to spectate, to administer and to be in the boardroom. We really do want this to be a comprehensive shift. It is ambitious. You'll see that the targets in there are very ambitious. So that's the overarching aim. But the one that's gathering all the headlines, Katie, is that the team need to win. The aim is to win a major tournament by 2024. Mm. Yeah, and they've got two opportunities to do it within that time frame. Obviously, the rescheduled Euros that are now 2022 and then the World Cup by 2023. And I think the big... Um, test for them with that is that we saw with the last World Cup that there was such a hangover that went on for months and months and months and months and arguably even into the Shiva Leaves Cup um, where the players were just kind of not in the right frame of mind because they'd all talked up and Phil Neville had talked up that they're going to win the World Cup and they're going to be the champions and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and then to not do it especially in the fashion that they did um, coming so close against the US, they never really shook that off properly and no. it's kind of being a hangover that's lasted forever. So I think when you've got two tournaments in really quick succession like that, the biggest test is going to be the pressure of hosting a home Euros, by which point yeah. we'll hope that fans are back in to the The stadium. Olympics too, Katie, goes, as well, yeah. you know. And if they go belly up when you've got three tournaments back to back like that, how quickly are they going to have the resilience to pull through and make sure that it doesn't persist onto the next one, I think is mm. the big worry for me. But there's still a big question mark over who's going to take the side to the Olympics, although we did find out that we would know in November. So good to have some clarity on that one. Within the eight points as well, um, one I wanted to focus on is aiming to sell out Wembley, Katie, for an FA Cup final by 2024. That seems pretty achievable. I mean, every time I've been to an FA Cup final, it always feels like they could have sold even more tickets. I'd hope so, yeah. I'd like to think that that's something that they'd be able to do. Um, obviously, I think they're almost just over halfway there, about-ish. They're sort of mid to late 40s. I think they are 40,000. So um, maybe it's something that they are going to do, particularly if you are having fans back after coronavirus and everyone is oh, so Oh, please say we're not going to have COVID back. here till 2024. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that if everyone is so excited to be back in games mm. and they're thinking, oh, yeah, that could be something that really sounds very cynical but almost works to their advantage, I think. Just to be pedantic as well, you can sell out Wembley if you only release 30,000 tickets. <laughs> mm. So it, you, you, we, we we have seen that, haven't we, with 
um, international games that there have been sellouts because there's been less ticket tickets released. And that's just me being a little bit pedantic. So that that is definitely achievable because it depends how many you release. Oh, I know what you're saying, but I think on this one, what the actual small print is that that they want to actually sell out the entire stadium. Yeah, they've done this before, but yeah, I think we're talking about 85 or 90,000. Another point that was made um, was the development of coaches and female referees. And we've obviously had a little bit of a chat about that already on the show, but there does need to be more investment in that area, doesn't there, Katie, desperately? I think so, yeah. I mean, the sort of interesting thing about it was that there was a greater emphasis, or I felt reading it anyway, in the plan on bringing up in female referees and mm-hmm. then just a sort of smaller section on referees specifically for the women's game. Um, and there was an interesting little stat pack at the end that was saying that 99% of WSL decisions are actually correct. Or was it, no, it's 98 with the aim to have 99% by 2024, which is very surprising, I think, given the debates that we end up having every week. But maybe the issue is that it's the highest profile and most dangerous decisions, especially when we're seeing bad tackles that that are the most glaring errors that are still the ones that are being made. Um, So it's definitely something that they have to iron out. And they did explain that there are steps that they're taking. They've got consultancy groups and mentor schemes that they're setting up to try and make that a little bit better. But it is a reminder that it's still something that's in its infancy. I mean, they only had like a point scoring and an assessment system coming in a few years ago for referees in the women's game. So it is an area that's been maybe neglected for a while. And only now in the last few years are we seeing resources kind of pumped behind that to really make it in line with the rest of the women's game. Well, they're all positive points and we really hope that they they achieve them, especially the trophy before 2024. We'd all love to see that. Um, up next for England then is that friendly that we mentioned earlier with Germany. It's next Tuesday at 3pm and we're wondering if the Lionesses can avenge last year's loss at Wembley. Hopefully so. Uh, the Lionesses did concede, if you remember, late on. They fell to a 2-1 defeat in front of a record home crowd. That won't be the case this time round, will it, Kate? <laughs> uh, well, it won't be a home crowd, no. Um, it's 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 really hard to call this, isn't it? I don't know what Katie thinks because I'm not the most encouraged about England's form going into this game, and I don't know whether they're in that much of a better place than they were last November. What do yeah, you think, that's Katie? My worry with it, and I think that particularly with them playing the same opponents they played last November, and they were sort of very comprehensively outplayed in that second half, um, is going to be a very interesting marker of how they actually moved on at all. Um, and I think the last time we saw them together was at the She Believes. Um, mm. After obviously they played that friendly game at St George's Park of the England teams against each other, but I think it will be a real test of how far they have moved mentally from what's happened in March because so much has happened in the world the WSL has resumed the Champions League was completed and yet if these players are still in the same position for England mentally where they're still maybe struggling with the scars of the World Cup I think that you're going to be worried by that point. I guess Lynn's the positive thing for England is that they do have some younger players to call on now they've given out quite a few debuts since last year and it I almost think if I was Phil Neville, I'd just chuck them on. <laughs> I just think, do you know what? Give give Germany something that they're not expecting because they know what to expect from most of the rest of the team. I don't know, though, because if you add up the amount of friendlies now that, that have happened and have resulted in, in England defeats, it doesn't look good on him, does it? 
and he's coming towards the end of his tenure. Yeah. Um, you know, if there is this announcement in November to do with Team GB, there could still be these results that could have a sway on whether he's the man in charge for that or not. So he he might go with his tried, tested and trusted. Um, that's the route that I think he might go down for this one. And, and I also think he needs a few more wins on his own CV at the moment uh, post the the World Cup in France I just don't think at the moment that there's too much more experimentation apart from within these training camps that he can afford to do well the good thing is it's half term next week the game's on at three o'clock and a lot of us are in some sort of restricted lockdown so therefore I suggest it's a very good family activity to get involved with folks uh, and you'll be digesting all that next week won't you Linz? Yes, um, I know that you're going to have the week off, but um, we will have the WSL edition. It will be out a little bit later because we'll have all the fallout and analysis from that England match. Uh, that is all for this week's show. So keep up with all things Offside Rule at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Yep, don't forget Rich Lavity's weekly piece is up every Wednesday, I think it is. Uh, and also you get five things, so five reflections um, on the women's football action from Jessie Parker-Humphreys every week as well. That happens on a Monday or a Tuesday, you'll see that. And of course, don't forget to get yourself an athletic subscription so you can read all of Katie's wonderful work. That's at athletic.com forward slash offside to find our offer code and I'm sure you've got an offer as well Katie because you're a brand new writer Um, and we look forward to reading some more of your excellent excellent coverage well thank you and thank you for having me on today it's been brilliant we look forward to getting you on more Katie thank you and we'll see you next week bye you've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production. I'm Faker Others and I'm here to tell you about the next big thing. Well, actually, this lot are here to tell you all about the next big thing. I think he can go straight to the top and I think the ceiling with him is so high. I do think he's going to be an England international at some point. He's He really is that good. The question is, do you loan them out or do you keep them in-house? People within Arsenal are really, really rooting for this guy. The next big thing is here to tell you about the future stars of the global stage, the next headline makers at your club and give you all the information you need to know so you can impress your mates down the pub. You know, when we're all allowed back anyway. Until then, subscribe to The Next Big Thing so you can be ahead of the game. A bit like the footballers we're talking about, really. That's The Next Big Thing from The Athletic, available now on all podcasting platforms or get it ad-free via The Athletic app. Muddy News Media.